0: Hi, beautiful soul, this is Claire and the Art of Life podcast, and this is the Sovereignty series. This podcast also comes in video form because I really feel the transmission physically is very important. And um, you're welcome to find that on my woman art sex website or my Patreon forward slash Claire Galloway profile or via the Hive.blog, which is usually where I upload the video, because um, I don't use these mainstream video channels anymore. So, yes, the series has been going like this, women, art, sex, and as my three pillars, three sets of two podcasts on each subject, And now into the Sovereignty series, where I really want to step into conception, birth, gestation which I'm going to do after talking about birth for a very good reason and I want to go into the unravelling of like what sovereignty is from the divine feminine perspective because there's a lot of work going on in the world a lot of paperwork going on a lot of blabbing by men god bless you um men white men white american men or white western men um standing on a stage talking to a passive audience the classic patriarchal Patriarchal model. And I want to come again into the space of that's not what I'm doing here. I'm not a white person standing on a stage. I'm talking to you directly, soul to soul, here. And these transmissions and the way I communicate, the way I make my work, the way I've practiced my spiritual path all my life mean that this is a direct transmission through me without any sort of bondage to transaction. Power dynamic, false hierarchy, unnatural hierarchy, or power struggle. Um, this is a, a pure, heartfelt, open mind, open spirited, um, free and sovereign transmission to you. And it's a gift to you. And you're welcome to gift me in return, as there are many ways to gift me. And I'm open to living in gift. I do live in gift and don't have a conventional wage in the in the old contractual sense but in terms of like how I share the information that I'm sharing my um, embodied wisdom is brought with me it's brought with me if you've listened to my um, podcasts on conception you'll have an idea of what I reference as co-creation or co-creative capacity, divine co-creative capacity, that we all ultimately is our nature, like it's our actual energetic nature, that's what we're meant to be doing in the world. Um, And through my art, which I've worked as an artist for over 35 years, and really, technically, practically, I've worked as an artist all my life since I was born, because I've always been acting spiritually in the world. And even as a pre-verbal child, (laughs) I was speaking in sentences and expressing very eloquently messages from the divine. And as a toddler and as a young child learning to speak, I was communicating messages from the divine. As with many folk, that got beaten out of me pretty violently. And then through the schooling system and the conventional work system, that got really compressed down into me and there were a lot of years where my art helped me my real art once I'd got out of all the institutions and education in inverted commas systems and my real art started to open me to what really healing was what conception was what birthing was and also I was able to open up all kinds of forms of catharsis of things that had been compacted and beaten down in me Um, and from there I've regained this voice and regained this power to heal self and regained my alignment with both natural law and with natural relationship with all things which in turn means that I live freely I live out with taxation systems out with paperwork to the greater degree and certainly out with the striving of dates and schedules and hours of work and sweat equity being charged up into money systems and banks and me being tied into all that and I'm I'm really aware that there is A lot of mental work being done right now, mostly by men blabbing on stages to passive audiences, but also there's a lot of people who are very actively involved in paperwork, striving, petitioning, complaining, court cases, um, and basically trying to use the system or use an older version of the system, which is somehow seen as more correct, to push back against what is perceived to be the cabal, the wrongness of what's going on or the system. um, The problem with using the overly mental aspect of our beingness is that without embodied wisdom and without the balanced masculine and feminine, in particular the deep feminine and the deep masculine, there's a very real and dangerous danger of the brain just whizzing round in circles, as is very evident from many podcasts that you see people still talking after the last couple three years of lockdowns and restrictions, still fighting against an authority externally which has absolutely no authority over us, no authority at all, and still referencing physical things that they believe to have power over them. I'm still feeling that they have to somehow request permission for our own health, our own thoughts, our own will, like what we actually want in the world. We have to ask for permission to have our wants implemented in the world, which including, including not being tyrannised and not being jib-jabbed or not being um, restricted in any way. But the problem with all of that is... It's completely missing the point. that and, and in this podcast, I want to talk about about birth and how sovereign birth is the whole point of life. The conception is one thing. The gestation is another thing. And birth is this other thing. But the birth in itself is the thing where the most distortion goes on. Lots of distor- distortion goes on in other places. Lots of tricks, lots of mental tricks and conditioning tie us into all these little... Little chains that, like the Lilliputian, all these tiny little chains, you know, Gulliver lying on his back with all these little chains coming off him. Individually, it's very easy to break these chains. But if one is lying down and doesn't really know what's going on and one's head is tied by ropes to stakes on the ground and one can't quite comprehend what is going on, it would be easy to feel that, that one is being completely uh, immobilized and believe in that immobility because actually it's quite comfortable and somebody's coming and feeding us and bringing us the crumbs and giving us our benefits and privileges. And here's an identity card for you and here's a passport and on you go to law for your two weeks holiday a year. So as I've talked about at great length in the in many of my podcasts, but in the conception podcast in particular, the birth story and what we're conventionally conditioned into believing birth is, um, is the major sticking point that no matter how much we talk around it, and the problem is most men are talking around it, they haven't experienced it, most women who live in their heads and have experienced birth and have experienced huge trauma, or even the average young woman who has been regularly brutally assaulted by a gynaecologist there's very few folk who are enough in their bodies and in their feminine body and in their womb to know the truth of the blissful orgasmic experience that birthing should be the gateway into the world that a physical body carrying this soul should be doing the the amount of tension and bondage and contraction and contracts and presumption of authority and so on the huge tangle of that is so freaking messy that most of us literally just blinker it out because we can't look at it And we also blinker out the women who are actually talking about it, the women who actually have this embodied wisdom, who know what conception is, who felt the divine power of it, who know what gestation is and have felt the divine power of it, actually sentiently felt what the process is and know what the process is on a much deeper level. The majority of folk are talking about it in the Anglified language, which is completely contrived language that has multiple tricky meanings that again are like lots of little chains and ropes that keep us attached to a completely false reality that unless one just occasionally like takes the whole fucking encyclopedia and lobs it out the window and starts talking completely from tap-rooted truth embodied wisdom womb one is totally missing. Again, just spinning around and around, flicking pages, looking at old documents, looking for codes and tricks. The codes and the passwords and the tricks and the secret language and the hidden secrets and the rituals and the blah, 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 and the meaning. Everything, everything in the world, in the universe, is available to us in our embodied reality. And it's particularly available as, to us as women because we hold a womb which is a portal that allows a life to come through and exit from our body like it actually comes into our body a life comes from the universe from source into condensed physical form in our womb inside our body like if that isn't a miracle if that isn't the most mystical connection with the divine if you haven't figured out that's the most mystical net nature of the divine manifesting then there's something that needs to be corrected basically in someone's brain or in their behavior or in their preconceptions and their judgments so again just coming back to what I'm talking about in the order I'm talking about it and and what needs to be untangled and how we need to be brought down into our bodies I just want to remind myself and you in this moment Like to come into the body and especially to come down the spine, down the front of the spine, down through the organs, down the rightly aligned organs, down the center of the core of the body into the pelvic root and sense how that pelvic root, whether you're a man or a woman, is somehow connected to the center of the earth, the center of the universe and the far reaches of the universe. I want to just get that into a sentence and put that there and ask you to keep that in mind. Keep in mind that you are the universe, that the universe is in miniature form inside of you, but it's also in metaphorical and portal and gateway form. <clears throat> Whether you're man or woman, you have deep feminine energy in you and the extent to which you've integrated that deep feminine and deep masculine will have a lot to do with how balanced your life is and how things come towards you and how things leave you. So the, the reasoning, um, and this is the deeply feminine embodied knowing reasoning behind doing a project uh, a series of podcasts on first on conception then on birth then on gestation is because of the distortion and the unlocking of of the distortion we have to plant the seed of conception in our minds and in our energy and let that sit there and that has to be something we come back to again and again and pray on and worship and bring into our bodies and bring into our identity again, into our energetic body. At the same time, we have to look at the birth. Everybody has to look at the birth process. Unless you came in by very conscious parents who birthed orgasmically in union and the masculine held the feminine, sacred, orgasmic birthing and the whole thing was very, very easy and you were brought up in a place very close to nature and you weren't contaminated by conventional crap in water or the medical system most of us have got some sort of trauma even those who are like the radical teachers on this subject in the world most of us have some kind of a trauma around our birth which then leads to all the other compounding traumas later in life so there's many really good books there's some great literature that has been come through particularly from the 70s but even 1970s a lot earlier than that um is it Dickley Grant-Reed and Frederick Le Boyer uh, in particular, in that order, and then um, Michel Odont have written really great natural books on birthing without fear, birthing without violence, and on what the consequences of certain violences that are done to us in the primal period and the, the ongoing period... Um, there's a lot of literature, there's a lot of scientific studies and and at the same time as all this evidence that has been around for literally 100 years, literally 100 years, when did Dickley Grant read, uh, write his book, Birth Without Fear, flipping 1920s or whatever, I don't know, 1940s or something, in, in between the two world wars, um, he was working in London <clears throat> and he really observed like he really witnessed and observed women birthing naturally he also observed the coming in of um what's the word i've got this word in my head you know the thing that put people to sleep and i've got the word euthanizing um and euthanasia i can't get the word like because it is to do with killing something and i want to go again into like the basics of where people started interfering, and especially where me- men, patriarchy, medical world, constructs, institutions, and the medicalization of birth. it started with the medicalization of the breath, the stealing of the breath, and the stealing of the breath came through the covering of the mouth of the nose during birth by some kind of a mask that was attached to some kind of a gas. But also, through uh, covering the mouth with some kind of a i am um, anesthetizing that was the word I was looking for um liquid or gas or acid that would put people women out whilst they were birthing. This is something that persisted and and I'm pretty sure that in like the most fucked up countries like North America where the industrialization of birth is so out of control and causing so much damage and causing extremely, extremely high birth deaths, like mortality in birth of babies and mothers. Look at the fucking statistics. The amount of people who have this gut brainwashing into thinking that it's safer to be in a hospital are so like you are absolutely brainwashed. You are your brain has been washed clean of the truth. It is absolutely not by any measure safer to be in a hospital unless somebody has very clear presenting symptoms, well in advance advance, usually very rarely at the last minute, that need some kind of medical support. But really, those are like fractional, fractional percentages when a woman is healthy, well-educated, like actually empowered and physically sovereign in her body. If a woman is empowered and sovereign in her body and knows what to expect, not knows not conditioned into expecting pain and disaster, but knows to expect bliss and her body to give her a spiritual transformative experience. There, it, there would be no disaster scenarios. There would be no cesareans. There would be no cutting of cords. There would be no farting about, cutting between anus and vagina. There would be no knives in the room at all, apart from the sacred instrument, to finally cut the cord when the baby has actually stopped breathing through it. So, again, some of my strong emotion about this is a very natural relation to my own catharsis about knowing what was interfered with in my own birthing, And knowing that having gone through at least some of a process of unlocking that myself, it should not have happened to me. It should not have happened to anyone. There's no way it can be justified. And yet it's so normalised. How is it normalised? Through the media, through books, through films, because people are fucking funded by the cabal to do that. Not because the cabal, like, take people into their wee offices or their big offices and say, I want you to write a book about, you know, this subject and I want you to put a birth scene in it and every birth scene has to be this woman in on her back in stirrups and a man, very important man, delivering the baby. A man doesn't deliver fucking baby. The man's interfering. Like, get the man away from the baby, please, unless it's the husband catching the, his child. The the point of all this emotional is this is part of the the retrieving of the body the retrieving of the body that was interfered with and traumatized to such a point that the average child coming into the world instead of being born through waves of bliss and hormones and the the soft sleek lining of the the womb which is opening and they transportation down this canal in complete symbiosis with the mother the surges the riding on the waves of both movement physical movement and moving position like changing from having been inside the womb to being outside of the womb the average child hasn't experienced that as a a profoundly blissful journey and it should be a profoundly blissful journey that the birth process, like other orgasmic paraphernalia in our body, equipment in our body, the birth process is designed around expansion, orgasm, opening and loosening and releasing, like a seed being released at at the right time. If you know gardening and you know seeds, you'll know that if you try and pull a seed out of a pod or pull it out of a a seed head at the wrong time when it's still green or when it's just not the perfect time, it won't come when it's the right time for it to come. You tap and the seeds come out or you blow the dandelion clock and the seeds come out. And yes, birthing is slightly different from that, but the basic natural concept is there, the, the concept of release at right time. The plant releases the seed at the right time because it's the time for the seed to be planted. The, the seed then, is it's dry so it can leave. It's, it's got a hardened shell around it so it can leave. It's ready, just like the baby is cooked and it's ready to come out the oven. It's, it's ready to go into the world. Just the, I don't want to go too much into the trauma of this or the, the conventional interference with that, but I just want to make the point that No matter how many days a child is in the womb, the the natural time and the time of naturally coming into the world, the gateway of the world, is something that absolutely is down to the baby and it's down to the mother. And there's nothing else that should be in between the baby and the mother or in between the baby and the mother's womb or in between the baby and the exiting of the mother's womb or, you know, like cutting a fucking great gash across the mother's belly through all of her muscles and her womb and uterus and scarring her so very profoundly forever and completely depriving the baby of this natural exit out the hole that was made to exit from the whole perverse fantasy around that is just it's so wrong on so many levels so I don't want to go into all the levels in which it is wrong because it is just profoundly and pretty much completely wrong um Again, I just want to go a little bit into the psychology around how we're all conditioned to believe that it's right and that it's the best thing and like, oh, no, but you have to go to the hospital because it's going to be awful bad if you have a problem and then what will you do and etc. etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, A woman who knows her body will absolutely know where, where she has to be at every point in her life because she's connected with all things and she's not just connected in some sort of cheesy um, cerebral way, she's connected with every fibre of her being. That's what the sacred feminine is. It's complete connectedness. It's everything connected with everything else. It's metaphors rippling out forever and rippling in forever. It's meaning and connection with all things and it's the ability to transmit and be transmitted to with all things at all times. So it's very clear to an embodied and awake woman who's actually sentient and actually feels what's going on in her body. It's very clear when she conceives. It's very clear how she's gestating and what her body and what the child's body needs. It's very clear when she wants to rest, when she needs to bleed, when she needs to apply medicine or steam or go in the garden and put our feet on the earth it's very clear in each moment of the day when to rise, when to rest, when to push a little harder, when to pull back, when to interfere, when not to interfere, when to seek structure, when to anchor oneself and when to cut an anchor and cut a chain. Um. So birthing is no exception and the fact that even laws, and I'm saying laws, meaning fucking patriarchal bullshit, has been put in place, making all kinds of supposed restrictions. God is agreeing with me, sending thunder to emphasize these words. The restrictions, restrictions that are supposedly the law that are placed on a woman's body about where she births She births from her fucking vagina and womb. She doesn't go somewhere to do it. She doesn't have to go. It's not the law that she goes somewhere. The natural law is that she births here, here in this body. The perversion of folk interfering in this process is just so profoundly, profoundly perverse, but it's also profoundly uh, counter productive. And it, it's it's basically somebody saying that they have the authority to stand between me, my brain, my spirit, and my body. And it's a, it's a really clever and nasty trick. It's a really twisted trick to do that to a woman, because as soon as a woman's mind has been detached from her body, there is this vast power that can be meddled with and pushed and pulled and sucked from and meddled with infinitely a woman who's rooted a woman who's in her body in her physical being that is not going to happen it's just not going to happen because it's very clear that she will want to be in a dark warm safe space or if it's the middle of summer a dark cool safe space to birth her child she won't want to get in a taxi or a car and drive to a city, the nearest city. She won't want to go into an institution with loads of completely insane psychopathic people who are part of a death cult and be cut, prodded, measured, surveilled, interfered with. In order to be in the process of the birthing, she'll want to be like in the deepest, darkest part of the house, down on her knees, down, hunkered, down, and like in her mammalian brain and her mammalian body. And birthing with the fullness of her being, with her absolutely engaged being. And that can't happen in a hospital, although there are some pretty forward-moving hospitals. But by default, a hospital will have you on a conveyor belt as soon as you're in there, no matter what your birth plan is. The protocol is interference, interference and interference. And unless you've got a really right-on husband (laughs) battling for you and beating people off with a stick, you're gonna be interfered with in some way. You're not gonna find a dark corner unless you sneak into a broom cupboard somewhere. You might be lucky if you've planned in advance to get a really nice birthing center or a big birthing pool. But ultimately the nature of going away from your fully connected self And going into concept world, into a world of concepts and separation and interference and surveillance, by its nature, you become a different creature, like your body operates in a different way, in the same way that putting a label on a person, especially a label certain diseases, fixes that, you know, the labeling, the fixing of a thing, the identification of it with that thing. So the way we've been conditioned into believing birth to be this fixed state of panic, fear, tension, contractions, the language that's used about it is all the perfect dark recipe to set you up for being a traumatised baby, moving into being a traumatised child, and going along with this whatever you can grasp back that looks like safety and security, like an ID card, like a passport, like permissions, And to submit to these authorities that are like pushing down and surveilling and interfering, it just it's a perfect match. It's a perfect dream spell that leads into this path, this predestined path of matrix-like entanglement. Um and again the birthing the The nature of what happens when we're in our most vulnerable state, I've talked about this a lot before, but I just want to really get to this, what the crux of this thing is and how there is such a level of violence and abuse at this very, very point when the child comes out, when the child is liberated from the container into their life outside of the womb, outside of the vagina. They don't just float out. They come through a very neat corridor a very alive moving corridor which with their moving spirit and body together transition out into the world like this gateway is supposed to be a very specific orgasmic opening of a portal that was designed to to do to be both its compacted self which compact doesn't isn't the right word for it but like contracted isn't the word for it its small self and its big self like it's a it's designed like an accordion to open and and move outwards Um, it's designed with such profound intricacy and sacred geometry and cellular structure the engineering of it is utterly, utterly perfect. That it's designed the vaginal canal and the cervix are they're designed with this cellular magic to be like this, but then to be like this. And if a woman was taught that and taught to see what that looks like, we see what on a cellular level, on a close-up level, what it looks like that the thing is designed to do this (laughs) the cervix is designed to do this the vagina is designed to do this if a woman were taught to relate to her vagina as a living and powerful thing a portal that is able to open and expand around a baby's head around a baby's shoulders and hips and feet if a woman was taught to explore this this is what's at the core of birthing if a woman was actually able to see, like, why would science not be telling her that? Why would science not be showing her that? Why would we not be educating young girls instead of educating them about, don't get pregnant, don't have sex, don't get a disease, don't get cancer on your cervix, go for smear tests, have bits scraped off off the top of your vagina, off your cervix, have bits scraped out from the inside of your cervix, have have scans consistently, take fucking pills to alter your hormones, if we didn't have all that interference and instead young women were taught from an early age exactly what the powerful, beautiful nature of the vagina is, it would be a completely different story. If a woman knew that her vagina was designed to do that, instead of the patriarchal idea that actually, oh, you could just cut another, just cut another hole. Much easier to come straight out. Do you know how many men have said to me, and I keep saying this because it is so ingrained in men's heads, that they are somehow helping the woman by supporting her to have a cesarean, that they're somehow helping the baby, that it's easier, it's a shorter distance to come out. You're depriving a woman and a child of this transcendental, spiritual, orgasmic experience and you're instead giving the birthright, which is absolutely a birth wrong, of extremely, extremely violent abuse. That is what you're doing when you keep playing this story. Oh, but it's so blah, 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 and women still die in childbirth because they don't have help from hospitals. Do the fucking research. Do the research and go for, don't ask a hospital. Go and do the proper research and find out what's actually going on in hospitals. Find out what's going on in the natural birthing system. Go to, not system, but the natural birthing world, like the real world of real natural birth. Go and study Michelle Adon birthing in the primal period. Go and study Grantley Dick-Reed. Go and study Birth Without Violence, Michelle O'Donnell's book. And just look at what a baby looks like when it's born without violence. Look at what a baby's eyes Wide open, body ready for anything, already out in the world, like ready for it, because the first thing hasn't been trauma. Day two hasn't been trauma. Day three hasn't been trauma. They're not in a hospital for a week with the mother drugged up to her eyeballs and struggling to walk. Maybe if she's had a cesarean, she can't even pick her child up, can't even breastfeed. Nurses telling you, oh, you don't want to drink that horrible, yucky yellow liquid. Just don't give them anything to drink for the first few days. The absolute psychosis of hospital, hospitalised birth means that the trauma just doesn't end. The trauma doesn't end and nobody recovers from that until way down the line when they're so wrung out and they, they're so had their rights shat upon by the system that they're kind of, oh, maybe I want to do something about this or maybe I want to do some healing art or... Maybe I want to write a song about this or write my story or do a shamanic journey or take some homeopathy around this. But if we didn't have to do that in the first place, you know you see what I'm saying? Like if we came through this gateway in a way, if we knew what we were dealing with as mothers, if we knew how to support a mother, um, you know, I, I was always interested in birthing like from my teens I was really interested in natural birth and birthing it's just something that absolutely drew me and it drew me because I have a womb and I may give birth one day <laughs> and it 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 drew me because I sensed that there was something very wrong about how what I'd been taught around bleeding and what I'd been taught around what my how I was being treated at that time by men around my body or even how I was being treated around my mind, I knew that there was something that was being suppressed there and that something was just not right. Like I knew my womb was healthy and I knew that my bleeding was healthy and I knew that it was a power time. It was a time when I was in my power and I, I felt vital and I felt sensitive and close to the universe and close to nature and close to God. And the idea that it was somehow this cursed you know the curse is obviously something that's been put on it you know a curse doesn't naturally grow inside your body um a curse is something that comes from the external it's a a bad spell an incantation with negative intention that is then latched onto you or we accept it we accept the contract and we grow it basically so it was very clear to me from an early age and certainly from my mid-teens that there was something very, very wrong with all this. And as soon as I got to the mainland and had access to bookshops and big libraries like the art school library in Glasgow, that I was, I was instantly into, like, this is the world. Like, let me find out about what's going on. And it's, it's really interesting how some of the books around Moon Time and The Wise Wound, which again is a bit of a moronic <laughs> um, oxymoron or something, um, the kind of literature I, I picked up didn't come to me because I thought, logically, I want to read about this. Um, I will go to a certain section in the library. You know, these weren't books in the library, even though there was a lot of really great stuff there and a lot of great art and a lot of really interesting primitive art and expressive art. There was loads of really great stuff happening in the library, but the stuff that I wanted to read around this time and what my body means in the context of this reality and where this reality is supposedly going where the structured reality is going you know i wanted to dig into that and go deeper into it and what i did find was um the books were few and far between but they came to me they popped up and came to me in really bizarre ways Uh, if i ever bought it actually in a bookshop it certainly wasn't on a shelf about femininity it was just in a random um, bonus bargain basement or something in a £1 bookshop or it was tucked away at the back of a shelf in a charity shop or, you know, a friend gifted it to me or or something, you know, it came, it came tur- they turned up in unusual places and they turned up spontaneously but they seemed to fit the exact occasion like they were, this is the book you have to read and I, I would feel like a gut drawing to them, not gut, but like a whole gut, like my living gut self drawn to them. Like I need to digest that information. I need to I'm hungry for that information. So even then, you know, in my late mid-16, 17 years old when I first moved to the mainland and to the city for the first time, I my instinct was whole and my ability to attract what I needed and and nourish myself as a woman was completely intact and and the kind of information I took through that rather than thinking tick tock tick tock what is the logical thing I should be studying now which when I was at art school and writing bloody essays oh god such a bore about conceptual stuff and and the tutors expecting us to take a conceptual route and a logical route and referencing literature and just like I never could read literature it's so boring and so dry and so like completely soulless nevertheless I would go out with my basket and my bare feet and I would go walking in a park for hours like Rook and Glen Park or the big park with the bottle collection in it and I would talk to the woods and meet animals and pick mushrooms and make inks out of mushrooms and use them to draw and paint with and I would attract books to myself and I would keep myself rooted, kept walking, I did huge walks when I was at art school, (laughs) just walk for miles and miles along the canals and along the rivers to keep myself grounded and keep the water, keep moving, keep the, the fluids in my body moving and I was trying to just ground myself continuously and found the city of course very toxic and hard to digest and hard to filter out all the overstimulation. So when I was doing that, um, that helped me to stay in my instinct, stay in my natural self, stay rooted, so I could then still attract the right things to me. So I might have been technically going to art school, but I was doing a lot of my work outside the art school, and I was doing... I was, like, working all the hours that I was awake. And that's when it naturally was obvious to look at women's cycles and women's power was like the most natural and obvious thing to look at because that is where the core of creativity is and um, though though now I understand it's much more complex than that these books that I started to read from a young age that then led to unravelling of culture I really I know from my own embodied reality and from what I've been through in my life and my body and the trauma I've been through and how I've unraveled that trauma I know that the 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 crux of all of this is what's done at birth and and bringing us through that back to conception um, really comprehending our part in the in the power of growing the self and how that has been knocked out of us, like our identity being is knocked out of us. So <clears throat> many of you will know of the, the phenomenon which is the scotoma in the mind of the mind or body shutting down parts of the body or parts of the mind numbing or shutting down when one is traumatized, especially in the formative period, up to like six, seven years old when we're much more sponge-like energetically in intellectually emotionally we just absorb everything around us and we're conditioned like programmed very literally by everything around us but when you think of that in an even earlier phase of that you know it's very clear that we're conditioned by what we get to learn from around us in the primal period up to early schooling when you think of how even more sensitive we are when we're in the womb and what comes to us through the mother. We're not getting just just the nourishment. We're not getting just basic minerals and vitamins through the bloodstream and through the circulating currents through us. We're also getting absorbing everything emotionally, spiritually, intellectually through her and from all around her. So everything is affecting us. We're affected by everything all the time. And never more so than we're the smallest self. And we're expanding into the world. And the world is expanding into us. So the more we expand, the bigger we get, the more the world comes into us. And that's a, a very, the most expansive period when we're in the womb and we're gestating. And the birth period is this point where there's a certain cut off of the inner growing and it's the transition into the outer growing. So that whole thing, there's some really interesting, um, what's it, the peacock tail effect or something. There was a book I read years ago, again, the brain, about the size of the brain and how the difference between monkeys and humans and how the size of the baby's head, It's the human head is so much bigger. And this is another one of these theories that is spouted out by men almost always, about why it's so important to have a caesarean and why you have to interfere in birthing because it's too difficult for women's pelvises to accommodate a baby's head nowadays because the baby's so large. And this is to do with, like, the babies stay in the womb for a longer period, human babies, and have a much bigger brain so that the brain is more developed when it comes out, whereas the marsupial... uh, the primates have a smaller brain and come out earlier and they do most of their learning on the outside, the, the child, the human child actually does a lot of learning on the inside and the brain is much more developed and much more complex when it comes out. So it's relatively conscious when he comes out, like it's relatively conscious when the baby is birthing. And again, that's a whole thing that can be argued in many different directions, but the non-limiting and the non-reductionist arguing of that is that baby can actually be fully awake and conscious when it's being born the conventional birthing system looks to make both the mother and the father and the child as the baby that's being born as unconscious as possible through interfering completely unconsciously and violently with the birth process those are are very simple facts that you will find evidence for if you look for it Um, so what I'm saying is The importance of this transition and this gateway, which is coming through the birth canal, as it's called, which again, it's not like we just row down the canal and like sploosh out into the ocean or make a clean transition into the ocean. There are very specific phases in the head engaging in the cervix, the cervix expanding, the opening, the crowning, as it's called, and the movement of the head down the vagina that... A woman, if she's done a lot of de-armouring work in her vagina and her cervix and her womb and if she's released the trauma and the pain and the violence that's been done to it by partners, by doctors, by gynecologists over the years with knives and drugs and interference and penises that were not being consciously inserted and tampons and all the other fucking about and stupid ideas that are projected onto cervixes and dirty words, nasty words that are used in relation to women's genitalia and yonis and all the general distaste for womanly stuff. If you've done all of that unlocking then, and you've done a lot of work and felt and mapped your vagina and your yoni and your cervix and your womb, if you've really visualised and recognised the power of it and used that power in the world, then the passage for the baby is going to be absolutely different. It's going to have a very lifeful, clear, different phase of stages as it moves down the birth canal, rather than getting stuck at the first, you know, there's all this language around crowning and the not opening and needing to push things forward and needing to inject the spine and needing to physically on top push the baby down and needing to get the forceps out and all of that stuff i don't know how illegal all that is now but it doesn't matter what's illegal now that what is being done in, in hospitals is fundamentally messed up and interfering um but the point of of all of this, this whole story, and it is very, it's very raw and rambling, I'm going to do a second po- podcast around this, I wanted to make sure I got to the end of this first podcast, because it is really raw, it is really cathartic for me to speak to this, and to know it, and to put it, string it together in a chronological order, the thinking and feeling around this. Um, What ultimately, has been conceptualized in the conventional idea about sovereignty right now in as far as the collective is managing to push forward the idea of sovereignty and reclaim the sovereignty and embody the sovereignty we're at a point where like we understand the logic of birthright right birth and and such and so on but and we understand the concept of living woman and living man but and it's such a big but This we're not really uh, comprehending the the profoundly powerful how just how powerful and alchemical the process of birth, conception gestating and birthing is and how that is utterly utterly sacred and living a living process which needs to be protected which is at, at the core the seed the center of All the other things that come, men in their 50s spouting on on podcasts about the living quality of a document really need to look at their own living relationship in relation to their mother's vagina when they came out of their mother's womb. That's where the life was interfered with. That's where the contraction, where the mother was conditioned to expect fear. And if you look at Dickley Grant Reads books, it, you know, this stuff has been known for over a century, probably a lot longer. If you're expecting pain, you tense and you bear down. You're like, you, your body contracts. So if you condition a woman for nine months or from a young age through, even through traumatic birth videos that you might show at schools, through film, through women being on their backs instead stirrups all, all the time, through knives being present, men in rubber gloves with their hands up women's vaginas. This whole thing conditions a woman to be like, I remember, I remember finding a magazine, something like Life or National Geographic, documenting a woman's birth when I was about nine years old or so, and being utterly horrified, like thinking that can't be right, that can't be right, That that's the way the photographs, the harsh truth of the photographs was depicting something that, that was like a horror movie to me. And instead of how we've evolved, especially over the last 10, 15 years with the internet where women are actually documenting their own births, and films like Orgasmic Birth have come out, and women are starting to show that actually you can birth quite spontaneously, quite easily and naturally if you know what you're doing, and if you're in your own body and you don't have people interfering and telling you what to think and do whilst you're doing something mammalian and spiritual and (laughs) mystical. These photos were part of a, a whole series of well, part of a whole shit show that was the typical conditioning of an average feminine human being. Whether it was accidentally coming across an article in National Geographic or something like it, or seeing a scene in a film, or seeing film after film after TV series. Always about the panic, always about a car chase to the hospital or an ambulance. Always about metal instruments being present. Always about bright lights, shouting, scraping. Always about the woman being on something like a metal table and being up high so that people can look directly into her vagina. Always being about surveillance, injections, masks on the face. Always about her breath being interrupted. Never, ever, maybe a bit of like, do your breathing. But never about going into a quiet space. Or if that does happen, it's an unusual thing and there's a period of that. Then you get to the hospital and do the really crazy violent bit. If you ever watch the orgasmic birth film, is it Deborah Pascal Bono or so? I think her name is. Bono Pascal. Um. Either way, there's a book that goes with it and there's an amazing film. If you ever see what these two things look like side by side when there is an orgasmic or natural birth and the first part of the film is all about that and then they very briefly show a hospital birth. You don't even need to say anything. That is the truth there. That is why the hospital birth is why we are in contract. It's why we're not suffering. It's why we put masks on. It's why we are entrained to not be able to breathe properly because of the interference. It's why we're trained to be, we're entrained to be conditioned and brainwashed to be surveilled, to be interfered with and prodded and poked because our entry into the world, like we came into this reality and that was imprinted on us. The transition, instead of being in the private, at home in a safe place where we already lived. We've lived at home with our mothers for nine months. We've been at home. We know what home smells like. We taste it through our mother's breath, coming down into our blood system and coming through our umbilical. We taste everything. We feel everything. We know precisely what's going on in the world around us. We hear it, we might hear it through, we might see it through dimmed light and flesh and everything soft and red, but we know the shape of things, but we know the feel of it. Because we feel energetically, we're alive and we're energetically feeling and we're conscious. We might be in something of a dream state and a swimming state and liquids, but we're absolutely aware that there is sound, smell, feeling, structure around us and we feel as an extension of our mother. So our mother is feeling something and we are feeling something inside our mother. And that, to transition from that, into the outer world we just presume because we are very small and we're as conditionable as you can be as vulnerable as you ever are the first time one's head comes out of the yoni that is the whole point like there's never another point at which we're that vulnerable we are immediately changing our relationship with the world even though we still have the vernix caseosa on the the greasy liquid the buttery grease on our skin and protecting us and giving us vitamin K even though we might have a little layer of hair around us keeping us warm everything that we meet in those first seconds first minutes first hours first days is imprinting on us everything that's touching us is imprinting on us the hands of a stranger, the hands of someone that the mother doesn't rightly trust or the hands of somebody that is taking us when our mother's either out cold or drugged up. Even our mother holding us when she's drugged up, when she's all had an epidural and she's all dozy. All of this is a direct imprinting on on our expectation of the world. We come into the world and this is the world for us. The very first place we meet when we come out of the vagina and our eyes meet the air for the first time and our nose doesn't at first start to breathe but our nose and our mouth eventually clear of the birthing fluids and the the amniotic sac fluids whatever and we start to actually inhale and exhale and breathe this is our first taste of the world it's our first full-on onslaught of everything we're meeting bacteria in a particular kinds of a bacteria for the first time we're meeting sounds with a completely different um ring to them because they're not being softened by the womb we're being we can't really comprehend what we're seeing because we haven't conceptualized it yet it hasn't been digested yet it's just basic information there's usually very bright lights which will be horrifyingly overwhelming for a little soul whose eyes might have been open but they're mostly looking at fluids and softness and, at the most, a bit of very orangey light. Even in the most loving and caring and safe space of an orgasmic birth, birth... that is going to be a really intense experience. It's going to be like turning something from one up to ten in a matter of minutes or even seconds from the first feeling of air on the skin. You know, it's, it's really important if that can be transitioned gently and if that can happen naturally so that the child won't be kicked out of itself and shocked to fuck about having to fight for its life in terms of breathing, having to fight for his life first getting through the birth canal because there's this impediment in the way because the mother's tense and expecting it to be super painful and the epidurials made it even more complicated and caused it to be more painful and caused her to contract even more. Some psychopathic doctor telling her to breathe like this, move like that, lie down like that so he can have a look at her If a child comes into, as a child comes into the world, everything imprints, everything is imprinted in a way that it will take so much more time and energy and consciousness and attention to undo. But that undoing isn't going to happen unless the child is very, very blessed to have the space and time later on to do it. The majority of folk are so freaking still in their birth trauma in all the decades of their life And are just trying to get by. And most people will admit, you know, they're just going through the motions. They're just getting their work done. They're just doing the hours. They're just getting the paycheck. They're just going shopping. They're just getting through each day. And if we were even remotely aware and educated about what our real nature is and potential is you can see from what i'm describing if you've been listening to all of this you can see from what i'm describing a eh, that there is a big difference difference between one and the other and that if we were brought in into the world respectfully beautifully and even orgasmically but at least freaking naturally rather than like violently and unnaturally that trish- transition you know it wouldn't be like unicorns and laughter and swaying and singing and, you know, it wouldn't be kumbaya, but it it absolutely would be the appropriate amount of hormones and bliss in order to get us through this very dynamic and very intense expansive stage. We go through this expansive physical stage from invisibility to large baby human body in the nine, ten months. But then we have to do this seed release thing where we actually pop out of the structure that was holding us and instead of being a flower, a fruit, a head of seeds, uh, a whole sacred geometry of a fruit, we are now a seed on its own which is going on to make itself and make its own life. The symbology of, of that birthing process has been so twisted to turn it into, like, the date on a certificate and maybe a sort of conceptualised story that the mother will hand down to us or the father will have a different perspective on, but usually it'll be the mother will hand down to us later in our life when we're ready to sort of deal with it. And she'll probably give a, a hint in the way she describes it of what the level of pain was for her, not just of the physical pain of the birthing and the interference, but the pain of profound fear, isolation and disillusionment about her own body because the system was telling her to do something that she couldn't do. When really, if she'd been taught by the system, a system, a more friendly system perhaps, a more natural and healthy system, to live well and to know her body and to live embodied in her body then there would be none of that. There would be none of the interference necessary, but also the interference wouldn't have that effect. But the effect of interference when one is completely isolated, when the father is sent out the room, when the woman doesn't live anywhere near her mother maybe anymore, when there's maybe another child around that needs taken care of and has to be organised and she's not even ready to let go of the other child yet, when the parental relationship, the family home, isn't the easiest or safest or most protected place for her to be in. The the sole acceleration in that birthing time, both for the baby and for the mother, might be completely hijacked, essentially. And that, you know, I'm not going to go into all the complexity of what postpartum is really based around but there's very clear correlations with so many illnesses like look into michelle odont's work around the primal period and around birthing and natural birthing there there is so much documented evidence about how every aspect of interference drugging and medicalization of the birth and hospitalization of the women during the pregnancy and the birth so many reasons why these are are fundamentally wrong things to do and unhelpful things to do and have massive consequences for the baby through its life, through its whole life. But I'm suggesting something that you, like folk in the world are gonna hear a lot more about in the very near future, Um, is from women who are waking to their own power and their own handed down power their own embodied power, the, the power that they brought with them. It's well known, again, that not many people talk about, but it's very well known, well documented, that a, a woman who has come from a natural birth herself will be much more confident naturally in going into a natural birth, like it won't, might not even be an issue for her. Um, and equally, a, a child, like a, a boy, who's seen his mother birth naturally won't have that same conditioning or won't be as easily brainwashed into believing that his wife, when he's older, should have her belly cut open and he'd be much more able to support a mother, to de to know her body, to look and be educated by other mothers who've birthed naturally, be educated by women who've birthed blissfully and orgasmically and quickly and efficiently, as it were, <laughs> efficiently, rather than being conditioned by expect the worst prepare for the worst and of course that being a self-fulfilling prophecy and um, the state of the mother and the state of the child as the birth initiates and is activated and starts to move forward is also in this completely impressionable stage because even though she's been a mother for nine months culture has fucked with her head into thinking that she only becomes a mother once she's birthed like until the baby's outside, she's not a mother. Even though, like, she's doing the most mystical work of magically alchemizing a baby in her very body, and I think that a lot of that is tied into a lot of the 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 fuckwittery and the confusion around that time, and what that does to mess with the woman's head, and all about being a good mother and whether she did the right thing when she birthed is is around separating her from what should be happening and the right thing that should be happening and convincing her to do something differently that's actually the wrong thing and then expecting her to feel like a good woman or a good mother for having done that. But, of course, she doesn't feel good about it. It feels wrong and she knows it's wrong because her body tells her so. And, and again, that's just the layers upon layers upon layers of what's put on women um, and how profoundly and deeply our very nature is twisted from us and twisted away from us. Um, yeah, just really encourage everyone to to learn more, to read more, to really comprehend more, listen to women, listen to their own bodies, listen to their lovemaking, listen to conception, reach back into our own conception and what our part was in it, reach back to our own birth and what our part was in that and why we consented, why we ended up symbiotically with our mother, not making us all retreat into the back of a house somewhere and go somewhere safe in a cave, in nature somewhere. But why was it that we all contracted to depend on the system and depend on external interference which ultimately wasn't the best thing for us. The more we can really question that in our own very cells and release all attachment to it, release our resentment of our mother or our father for not being there, resenting our mother for taking medication or allowing interference in that really violent way, Um, there are huge riches to be attained from doing this. Um. And I again I'm not trying to I can be quite straight talking sometimes. It's my culture, my nature. And I also feel often a kind of urgency and my own want to release what wants to be let go of. But I'm not trying to pass on pain or encourage anyone to be in pain. I'm truly my intention is the highest that all of us should be freed into sovereignty. And that comes unfortunately with looking at the truth, looking at the truth of what's been done and that's what I'm speaking to and saying out loud is where a lot of people don't want to say out loud what the what is being done to us and what was done to us, like to us physically when we were born, you and I, when we were born, what was done to interfere with our birth process process, what should have been our, our right birth. I don't want to hear about birthrights. Birthrights are bullshit. The whole birth right is something that is so contorted from what it really should be and is all connected up with birthing correctly in a hospital, which is so very, very wrong that I'm going to talk more about this. I'm going to do another uh, long podcast on it um, probably in the next while. But in the meantime, um, yeah, I just really urge, I don't think any of us can know too much about birth. I think that if you're listening to this podcast or you're generally have an idea about birth or you're just getting a snippet of this podcast and you're thinking,
1: <clears throat> yeah,
0: but it's all very well this or, or yeah, but women statistically are better off in hospitals or blah, blah, blah. If you're thinking any of these reactionary thoughts around it, please go and educate yourself better and go and find out about like the research that's been done by the Primal Research Laboratory with Michelle O'Donnell's work and look at what is happening in the natural birth movements, like go and really dig into that and really see women like Yolanda Norris-Clark and thebauhousewife.com. She's got some really great perspectives um, and look at how, you know, if you're looking at this from the paperwork direction, look at how <clears throat> a woman who knows how to birth right doesn't need to instill any birthrights or any correct birthing methods. She just births. And her and the child come into the world anew. Both are reinvented, both are reborn, both are new. And from there, that child, that baby and that mother are very clear on what birthing is. They're very clear on their capacity to birth and manifest in the world the woman who goes through the birth process contracting instead of surging and being beaten down by the system and surveilled and consenting to horrendous things happening to herself and her child and the father of the child. She is not going to come through that birthing in as powerful a way as a woman who is going into the birthing as a completely clear sovereign being. The riches that should be coming to her will instead be replaced by these benefits and privileges that are like the crumbs that, in the exhausting days afterwards, and her trying to rush on through life and her striving and straining and continuing to labour because she hasn't released the birth labour and the trauma. These are such, such completely different journeys to the woman who is absolutely rooted and knows that this is not just the most natural thing, but it's like destined, it's God given. It is God coming through into the world. It is source manifesting. It is us completing the first cycle. It is us together releasing and separating into two where before it was just one and yeah i'm going to talk more about this but i i just want to put these words out here with this intention that we stop medicalize medicalizing birth and that women get their shit together and educate each other and inform each other and men (laughs) and maybe convince your doctor or gynecologist or or whatever they call them, horrendous, torturous individuals to stop participating in a death cult and stop interfering where they shouldn't be interfering and actually listen and look at the research and look at the right ways and look at nature and listen to women and listen to the wisdom of the womb and embodied wisdom. If we were birthing rightly, truly rightly and truly blissfully and truly naturally. The birthright wouldn't be something that had to be separated from us and written down on a bit of paper. The birthright would be here. Everything contained in the breath, in the cells, in the beating of the heart and the moving of the blood around the body, in the energetic body, the aura, the halo, And the consciousness, which is in every cell of our being. Separation wouldn't be possible. Um, Fictitious identity wouldn't be possible. It would be completely irrelevant. It would just be laughable. (laughs) So, yeah, lots more to say. Blessings and love. Might see you soon on a co-creation session if you're interested to come along and paint or any other creative activity with us on a Wednesday, 11am and 4pm Rome time contact me through my Patreon links are usually below the video um, follow me on Hive.blog or Peaked or Essency any of the other, other um, Hive gateways at Claire Artista Claire without an I look at my website womanartsex.com or www.clairegaiasophia.com and get in touch with me on my Patreon, at Claire Galloway. Find all my details to, to contact me and how to gift my work on womenartsex.com forward slash um, connect, I think. There's a contact page you'll find there. And love to you, sovereignty to you, blessings, natural law, all things coming into crystalline perfection, sacred geometry. I love you. Ciao.